Hey, Thrivecast Nation, this is Clay Frost. Today we have a super great guest. It's Martel Williams. Martel was a, he is a veteran. He served in the Army for eight years. He got a whole awesome story that I'm excited to, for him to tell you guys. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Is there anything to that introduction you'd like to add? Um, no, I'm an educator. Um, I taught um, third grade. Um, former football player, not NFL, but college football player, um, and a father. Awesome. And Very father. good. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's dive first and foremost into the definition of thriving. What does thriving mean to you, Martel? Okay. Uh, thriving to me is, is, you know, being alive. Um, I, I feel like um, if you're able to get up every morning and you're able to uh, just, you know, meditate to yourself and just think about some of the tasks that you have to do today, I think that helps uh, individual drive, you know, being able to have a plan um, on your day and being able to execute those plans. Um, and, and, you know, if, if, you know, if you're not thriving and you're just living, you know, you're just living and you're just in a body and you don't know what you're doing. So for me, I'm, I'm alive every day I wake up. Um, and it don't matter what you do in your life. Um, even if you're a, let's say if you're a mailman, uh, well thrive to be, the best mailman you know possible so whatever your job is thrive to be the best yeah i like that earlier in our conversation you mentioned a little bit about living life in the present yes. mm -hmm. talk to me a little bit about that what do you mean by living life in the present that's an idea i really like i really like talking about oh you know so for me you know living life in the present is uh, not thinking about past experiences not letting those past experiences um carry over to today you know don't think about the future and don't let the future bother what you got going on today. You're going to get to the future and in, and in the past, leave the past where the past is. And so for me, living in the present is uh, taking advantage of every day, you know, every second of the day. Um, even if you got to block off time to, you know, sit down and think about, you know, living right now, you know, what are the things that make me happy right now? Um, and so that's what I mean by living in the present, being able to uh, think about life and uh, love life. Um, you know, my, my grandparents definitely um, instilled that into me uh, and me and my brothers at a young age living life, um, yeah. living in the present. You know, um, it, it's sometimes it, it can feel like an out of body experience living in the present because, you know, it's a lot of things that goes on in people's life. Um, where they feel like, you know, I'm not up for it today or I don't, I don't feel like being bothered with it. But, you know, you got to have that inner self-evaluation uh, of yourself and be like, you know what, I'm here. You know, I'm here today. And, and that means more to me than anything. I like that, especially because now for, the, for those of you listening, Martel, he, he actually has a pretty, I'd say, pretty rough past. I don't know if you'd describe it the same. Um, but... Tell me a little bit about that as you grew up, a little bit about uh, your grandmother and what she means to you and your grandfather. And, and tell me about that, those, those very formative early years in your life. Yeah, um, it, was, it, was, it was real tough. Um, we, I, me, my brothers, I have, my mom has a total of seven kids. Um, in the beginning, it was about, it was four of us and our four of us uh, was in foster care. Uh, my mom was on drugs real bad. And uh, we was living in Jersey City, New Jersey. Um, but, you know, just looking back, you know, then it was tough. We didn't know what to expect. 
Um, I didn't know, we didn't know what was going on. Um, so we were scattered around New Jersey. One, my older brother lived somewhere else. Me uh, and my brother under me stayed in the same foster care. And my youngest brother, Mario, he lived somewhere else. Um, and it was tough. Um, so the, I guess the social worker made sure that we seen each other at least one or two times a month. Um, but you know, I, I, man, I, I'm grateful for my grand, my grandmother, especially um, her. Uh, but definitely, my my grandparents helped us get out of foster care um, and moved us to Alabama. And and it was and it was tough adjusting, you know, coming from a place that's 14 hours away to a small city in Anniston, Alabama. Uh, we didn't know what to expect. I remember our first Christmas. Uh, we will see, you know, our family members, you know, kids get toys. We didn't get toys. We got underwear, socks, T-shirts. We got the essentials. And for us, we were very appreciative of that. You know, we didn't have nice, we didn't have expensive shoes. We had A6 Saconis. And look at now today, those are popular shoes now. But back then, we was like, we don't want those. But um, we had to take into account my grandmother is trying to take care of four growing boys. And at that time she had got custody of my younger brother, which made five boys in the house. Wow. Um, so that drove, that drove us to get out of um, Alabama or out of our situation. And if it wasn't for our grandmother uh, and our grandfather, um, I don't think we would be where we are today, especially me. Um, but, you know, I, I try to look back and try to think about, you know, what could I have done? as a young, as you know, a young kid to help my grandmother out, you know, around the house. Yeah. Um, but you don't, when you don't know, you don't know, you don't know. So uh, my grandfather definitely, uh, you know, instilled discipline in us. Um, he told us to be respectful. Is either yes, ma'am, yes, sir. You know, no, sir, no, ma'am, you know, things in the house. It wasn't no yes or no. So um, we got um, discipline real early, which is fine with us. We're boys. We can take it. We can handle it. Um, but it was tough. It was tough yeah. not knowing, not seeing our mother for a while. Uh, me not seeing my, my father till I was about 13. So it was tough. Um, but I, I tell my grandma to this day, I am grateful, you know, for her and my granddad that they uh, got us out of foster care because ain't no telling where we would have been, you know, dead jail on the streets. Ain't no telling. So uh, it was definitely a rough childhood. It's a rough yeah. childhood for sure. And that, that's why I find what you're saying so, so important that we, we yeah. learn to live in the present, that we learn from the past, we take the lessons, we roll with them, and then use them to move forward, put the past behind us because the future's coming soon. We got to prepare for yeah, it. Sure. Yeah. One of the yeah. things that you said that I, I loved, well, really reflecting on the sacrifice of others, that's really what helps us thrive. Right. I don't yep. think that we can thrive just on an island all by ourselves in, in, a, in, a, in kind of the world we live in today. And I love yep. that okay. your grandparents sacrificed so much for you and your brothers to have a life where, where you could then have a base and, and move up from there. I think that's yep. so awesome. Yep, it is. You know, that base, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic for that foundation. But that foundation yeah. put me where I'm at today. Now I have a three-year-old son that I know I have to be there for through thick and thin. I don't care, you know, what kind of obstacles may come in life, you know, what kind of bad experiences may come in life. I have to set an example for him, whether yeah. I feel like getting up in the morning or not, I got to show him that, you know, daddy can get up when he's not feeling good, you know? So I, I appreciate that foundation they laid for us. That's awesome. I love, I love thinking about the sacrifices of others and what it means for, for our lives moving forward. My parents sacrificed a ton. So I'm, and every, I, I'm huge on family history. That's something I haven't ever talked about on the show before, but 
like every generation from my parents moving back, just, I see almost a complete story of sacrifice for the next generation. And as you realize that that's what helps us have the the base, the foundation that we have today. And I'm so like, I've got goosebumps just thinking about like (laughs) how grateful I am for, for their stuff. And I only imagine the same. Yeah. I'm definitely grateful. I'll I'll never take life for granted. I'll never take the things, you know, that they taught us growing up. Never, never take it for granted. I love that. Now you told me a little bit that you went through high school. You played football with another guest on the show, Antoine. Uh, you guys were, were buddies together. Right. You played football. You ended up playing a little bit in college, uh, suffered an injury, and you kind of felt like that was a good time to transition to something else. You transitioned to Army. Why, why the Army? Right. Why, tell me about that story. Yeah. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't much going on in my city. Um, so, you, you know, you got a few choices. Uh, you either um, try to get a scholarship to play sports um, you try to go into the military or you try to find, you know, a, a, a job around the city or um, somewhere like that. But I, I knew that my purpose in life was not to be uh, being honest in my whole life. Um, I think, you know, God get, gives everybody a purpose here on earth. Um, and you don't know what that purpose is until he tells you that purpose. So for me at that time, you know, um, in high school, I felt like my purpose was to be, was to play football. Um, you know, I didn't start, I didn't, I didn't start playing football until I was in eighth grade. You know, just luckily I had, you know, athletic abilities where I was able to move up on varsity early and play um, with Antoine. So, um, you know, and, and, and you know, I, I owe a great deal to Antoine. Antoine was a person who helped me get out of Anderson. Um, if it wasn't for him, taking me on those recruiting visits with him, actually getting out of Alabama and going to see, you know, University of Alabama, University of Auburn, University of Clemson, University of Tennessee. I would have never experienced that without the help of my best friend. So um, I definitely owe a lot to him. Um, You know, with the military, I didn't, it was a wake up one morning and um, I had came back from school from an injury. I had finished my freshman year and I was just laying in bed one day and I think, man, you know, I like to say I thought of it, but I didn't think of it. God put it on my mind to go to the recruiting office. So I went to the recruiting office. Uh, January, not January, but June 25th. I remember the day, June 25th. I went down there his, and I was talking to Sergeant Fritz. That was my career counselor. That was my counselor that helped me get into uh, the military. And uh, three weeks later on um, July 14th, I was going to MEPS. Uh, in Montgomery, Alabama, to be shipped off to basic training at Fort Jackson in South Carolina. Uh, that was not of my plans growing up. I didn't, when I was growing up, I wasn't thinking about the military. I wasn't thinking about going to college. Um, yeah. We were just really just trying to make it past 18. It was just a rough time in our, um, in our community. So um, I'm just glad God was able to take me through that situation and put me to you know, the military where I was able to find myself as a man um, I was already instilled with discipline as far as like from my grandfather, but everybody knows the military put another kind of discipline on you, you know, when you get yeah. there. Um, so, you know, I was get there, you know, the drill sergeant, you know, they don't want to be called yes sir, no sir. They feel like they work for a living. So I had to cut that real fast because that was what I grew up on, but that's not what they want to be called. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the military definitely transformed my life um, from my boy to definitely um, a grown man. 
tell me what it takes to thrive in the military. What, like you, you kind of mentioned a little bit of like initial shock, but what does it take for any individual to thrive in the military? Um, for one, you have to have a backbone. For sure, you have to have a backbone. Uh, the next thing I would say, you have to be able to follow before you can lead. Uh, that's the, one of the biggest things about the military. You know, everybody want to be a chief, but you know, you haven't even went, you know, you haven't even been an Indian yet. So um, I had to find that out real <laughs> like fast. That. Yeah, yeah I, had, I had to find that out real fast because, um, you know, I, I was a chaplain assistant in the military. A chaplain assistant is it's like a pastor's aide um, in the military. So um, I was able to thrive um, in the military, but also with my relationship with God. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know how that job popped up for me to get, but when, you know, the, uh, the guy at MIPS um, read the description to me, I automatically knew, all right, that's what I want to do. Um, but for me, thriving in the military is being able to, um, being able to follow, you know, being able to have a backbone um, and being able to be the best person that you can be at any given time um, and being disciplined. Uh, that's thriving in the military at, at its finest. Um, yeah. uh, spending my time in Afghanistan, I think I thrived the most when I spent that um, 10 months in Afghanistan. Because you go over there, you don't know what to expect. You hear stories that people don't make it back. And they and some, some soldiers do not make it back. Some of my battle buddies did not make it back. Um, so you get over there and you try to do what, you know, your, your, your team leader, your squad leader, your platoon sergeant had told you to do because they've been here plenty of times. Yeah. Um, so you try to follow um, the path that has already been uh, been laid out for you. And usually when you deviate from that path, that's when destruction starts to, to happen. So I think I thrived the most in Afghanistan. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned having a backbone. Yeah. I think I'd like you to kind of elaborate what that means. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty pretty cool to hear your perspective on that. What does it mean to have a backbone? To me, having a backbone is standing up for what you believe in. Um, no, you know, everybody has their opinion, and you know, and their opinion matters. But at the end of the day, I have to have a backbone to either be like, I, I value your opinion, or I really don't care about your opinion. You know, so for me, you know, my backbone is, you know, I take everybody' um, um, thoughts and opinions into consideration, but that does not mean I have to do, you know, what you say. I have my own backbone, I have my own thought process, and, and I, make, um, I make things happen my way. So for the military, having a backbone is standing up for what you believe in, even though, you know, sergeants may not believe that that's the right way. If you believe, if you believe that, then, you know, go with that. You know, always go with your first instinct, you know. Go with that gut feeling. So for me, my backbone is always going for my gut feeling. I never try to second guess myself because when I, all, every time that I do, it never works out, never works. Out. <laughs> um, so, you know, I try to go for my first instinct when I do things. Um, so, like that. you know, my, my grandfather was um, old school and he told us to stand our ground for anything that we believe in. Even if the next person do not believe in it, you still stand your ground. You do. Uh, because if you don't, you get other people chances to get in that way of trying to, um, interject or persuade you to do what they want you to do. No, have your own backbone. Stand on your own two feet, stand on your own 10 toes. Um, so that's what I think a backbone is to me. I like that. Now, what if you don't have a value system or what if you're kind of lost and you're kind of floating or drifting through life? 
is that part of a backbone is developing those values and then sticking to them or how's that how's that intertwined of course yeah develop developing those values and, and stick them to them um even like you said even if you don't have I'm, I'm pretty sure it's people out there who do not mind you know sitting down and talking to you if you're if you're not comfortable with things that's going on you know in your life or values that you feel like that you should have um you know I, I get a lot of my knowledge from old heads. I sit down and I listen to them because they have a lot of wisdom to put out. Um, and for those individuals who's looking for a backbone, um, you know, sit down and create values for yourself. Sit down and, and create characteristics about yourself and live through those characteristics. I like that. I like that a lot. You mentioned a little bit about Afghanistan. So you served in Afghanistan. Where else did you, where were you deployed? Um, I spent a year in South Korea. South cool. Korea. Yep. Camp Humphreys, so, Pyeongtaek, uh, South Korea. Very cool. Uh, can, compare and contrast those two areas. I don't imagine there's a lot oh, similar. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, one is a war zone. Uh, the other one is the actual duty station. So South Korea is a duty station. Um, Afghanistan is a war zone. It's the wire. It's where, um, you know, we go over there and we try to you know, I, I try to pick the right word, you know, for that, but um, it's a war zone. It, it, it is what it, it is. It's Afghanistan, it's Iran, it's Iraq, it's a war zone over there. Um, yeah. You know, one day you may be there, the next day, you know, you may not. That's how real it is over there. Um, and what years were you serving in Afghanistan? Oh, so I served from August of 2012 to June of 2013. Cool. Very cool. During fire then, season. And it was cold, man, it's cold. over. It gets cold, it gets hot. It does. Yeah, it's a real desert. <laughs> oh, it, it is. It, it's real desert. Like, you ever seen a real camel spider? Like, those are really real. They're really big. So try <laughs> having one come in your tent at night while you sleep. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Um, that's awesome. And then you've transitioned back to more civilian life. What are you doing now? Yes. So right now, um, I am a legal administrative specialist for the Department of Veteran Affairs. And what we do there is... Um, we help veterans with their benefits. Uh, so I work for the Veterans Benefits Association. Uh, it's three different parts. You got the, the health side, the benefit side, and you got the cemetery side. So I work with the benefits, whether that is health, whether, whether that is education benefits, uh, claims, uh, home loans, anything that, that they're entitled to as far as benefits, um, I help them with that. Awesome. And I find a lot of self-gratification from that because you know, I, I'm a veteran and there were times where I didn't figure out, I didn't know stuff and I would call the VA. And the VA have awesome people who can help you um, get the, the, the right, um, get you in the right area, whether, you know, trying to make appointments with your provider, trying to make appointments with your whole health coach or mental health, anything like that the VA has, it's, I call it a one-stop shop. It's a one-stop shop. They help you with everything. That's awesome. Now you mentioned that they helped you get your bachelor's and master's degree. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, sir. Awesome. Yep. Through the post 9-11 GI Bill. Um, I, I started taking classes as soon as I got back from um, Afghanistan, uh, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't, you know, I didn't know I wanted to be an educator. I, I really wanted to do something in sports management. Um, but again, God took over and said, no, I'm going to take you through this path. And I've learned to never deviate, you know, from the path he set from you. So, you know, yeah. I, I followed that path and um, got my bachelor's in elementary education. Um, I probably, I probably took, excuse me, I probably took two weeks off and went straight to grad school 
I graduated in May, went to grad school in June, and I did a whole year of the accelerated master's program. Um, and I got a master's of education as a reading specialist. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to it, I, I was very curious to have you on the, on the show on Thrivecast here to hear about the veteran experience of thriving. Obviously you've talked about being active duty, you've given a few points and things that you have to have, but I've seen a lot of veterans uh, either in the news or even just on you know social media. I see a lot of pain coming back home to the normal yeah. civilian life. Yeah. There clearly is a transition. That. Yeah. Right. And I was curious about your experience and especially in your position, how you help people get benefits. What are some keys that, that, that you've seen that works or some blueprints that other people could follow to thrive when they return to civilian life? Right. Um, I, you know, for me, my person, it was hard um, uh, when I got out the military and trying to um, get into the civilian world. I mean, it was hard. I mean, I became secluded. I became an introvert. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to leave my house. I just felt like, you know, um, I didn't have a purpose anymore. I, I, you know, so, you know, I have PTSD. I, I struggle with PTSD. Um, I do. Uh, and for me, um, I have ways of coping with that, uh, whether that is working out, whether that is um, going home and see family as much as possible, because everybody knows family, family helps out a lot. You know, if you got the military and you are by yourself, you know, that's going to drag you down and down and down. It's going to put you in a hole. You're not going to want to do anything but drink. You know, and I never resorted to drinking to be my first thing. I always tried to find a way to um, build something that didn't have that type of habit to it. Um, yeah. So um, I struggled with that. When I got out the military, I went home. I went to Alabama and I told myself I'll never go back. I went to Alabama for five months and I got out of there. I, I, it wasn't for me. Uh, luckily, Antoine was uh, during the summer. He was uh, going to finish up his bachelor's at Clemson. He was like, "Hey, bro, you know, you know, if you're not going on for these, you know, next few months, man, come to, you know, stop killing on me. You know, you get a chance to clear your head, and you get out the environment." So, I, man, I packed my stuff up and and I left. And I mean, and that was probably the best decision I made was to get out of that environment. Um, so you know, like I said, I'm, I'm grateful for Antoine because he's done a lot of things. Um, for me that he, you know, didn't have to do uh, for me. Um, so, you know, for those soldiers who are transitioning out, I think they need to find a way to where they are able to, um, where they feel like they are cohesive with somebody. You know, be, they want to be, a, everybody that gets out the military want to be a part of a team. They want to be a part of some kind of team. Yeah. Um, whether that is, you know, um, I've seen a, a lot of my friends, you know, get out the military and actually go to the college and play football because they want to be a part of a team. And I think a lot of us miss that when we leave the military. So we start soaking, we start sucking, you know, we try to find ways to, you know, cope with things that we've been going through in the military. Um, and, and it's hard. It's hard because you feel like nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody understands what I'm going through. And that's why they rather disclose information with other veterans, other people that was in the military versus disclosing it to the civilian world. And, um, you know, another part of that is them transitioning out and trying to find a job in the civilian world. It's hard. You know, it took me um, almost, I want to say, a year to find a job out the military because of the jargon that we use um, in the military is totally different from the civilian world. 
So if you know, if you were to look at my resume, get out the military, you'd be like, man, what is this gibberish that I'm reading? You know, but they don't tell us that. They don't, you know, when we going through our process, a lot of them don't tell us, hey, you know, you know, you got to reword your resume to fit civilian work. They don't tell us that because a lot of them, a lot of people at the um, at ACAP, they do the um, resume for you uh, and they put in military job. Um, so, you know, there's a misconception there, you know, so, you know, having those veterans get the right services um, is, is awesome. And but yeah. now I'm seeing where a lot of these businesses, like I said, I stay in Clarksville, uh, but I work in Nashville. I see a lot of these businesses are starting a veteran resource group at each, you know, at, at companies, which is good. You know, you should have, I think every company should have a veteran resource group there to be able to relate to those veterans that they're bringing in. Yeah. Um, because, you know, veterans um, and military are very skilled in a lot of different areas. They are very skilled. You know, we get a we get a little bit of everything. I'm a chaplain assistant, but I know a lot of stuff about IT. I know a lot of stuff about logistics because, um, you know, when I wasn't doing anything for the soldiers, I would go to the supply and I would look and see what they do, or I would go to um, the S6, which is IT, and see you know things that they do. Yeah. Um, so we are skilled in a lot of different areas, and I just think you know, with me being at the VA, I'm able to. Um, I call it help. I'm able to help a lot of veterans on things that they need to know um, before they get out or even as they are. You know, I, I try to let them know, hey, there are financial services out there for you. If you're having trouble paying bills, there are, you know, you get free education from the post 9-11 GI Bill. You get a free VA home loan um, from the VA. And that's how, you know, the house I'm in right now, I use my VA home loan for that. So, you know, this is proof in the pudding that, you know, that, the resource that the veteran give us, or that the VA gives us, works. We just got to take heed and actually push through with that. Awesome. One thing that I'm kind of pulling out from, from your answer, especially, was develop a sense of community, whether yes. that's family, friends, whatever yes. it is, have some kind of sense of togetherness with other people and yep. don't, don't isolate yourself. Isolation isolate is yourself. Yes. It's tough. Yes, it is. It is. And I mean, I still do with it like I like my alone time um, but at the same time I, I call myself an ambivert you know I'm I'm an introvert but I'm able to go out I'm able to party with the extroverts but at a certain point in time I'm like I'm thinking to myself like okay I need to go home I need to recharge yeah. so you know I, I don't have a I don't have a problem with that um, so I, but you know a lot of soldiers they're secluded you know they like they air it and and if you look at the suicide rate you know for veterans you know it's 22 people every 65 seconds. Well, well, one person every 65 seconds commits suicide for veterans. And just think, you know, that's, that's about 22 people, you know, a day that commit suicide. Um, and that, that statistic shows that. Um, so we got to try to get those veterans out of those houses. We've got to try to have more events where veterans are, veterans are welcome. Um, and you know, like, I just, I wish, I wish veterans had, had a footstep until you know, working for um, NFL teams or NBA teams, because a lot of our conversations in the military is on sports. What's your favorite sports team? Oh man, I went to this game. It's all, it's all about sports. And yeah. I think, you know, if we had a, a bridge way um, or a bridge program to where, you know, uh, they can bridge those veterans who are looking to go to school for like sports management to get into those, you know? Yeah. So, but definitely- Sounds like you got a mission. 
Man, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying, man. You know, I'm only 30, man, you know, so I have a long life ahead of me, and I have a lot of plans Young. Um, that I want to do, man. Yeah. Yeah. Very. You know, with the, the military add about eight years on to my life, so I'm really about 38, you know. So. Yeah, sure. I get that. <laughs> so, so community, what, what else in terms of maybe mindset or something that a, a veteran returning home, what can they yeah. implement? So, like, because you've mentioned before, being in the present and not letting your past mm -hmm. dictate you or, or fear right. of the future. Um, how can they implement that or, or what um, other mindsets that can they use to help? Um, I would say um, definitely going to um, see a mental health specialist. Even, even if you don't think anything is going on with you, go there, vent, vent about things, you know, and I have a, a mental health therapist that I go to and I just go there and I just vent. And it made it, and it's like a weight off my shoulders because I don't have to deal with that anymore. Um, you know, so uh, definitely a sense of community, making sure that, you know, uh, uh, self-care is very important. You know, it is, you know, wealth is, wealth is okay, but self-care is very important uh, because it, once our mind goes, everything goes, you know, we go wherever our mind goes, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, it, and, you, you know, it, it's a, it's a uh, diagram out there that shows it's two different mindfulness. You got mindful, which, you know, your mind is just full of stuff. Then you got mindfulness where you just mind, there's just nothing going on. You just really just taking in the, the world. And yeah. I try to go with the mindful. Like, I just want to take in everything. I don't want to be, have a lot of stuff on my mind because that brings pressure, depression, and stress. And that drags into, um, you know, um, PTSD. It kind of triggers your PTSD. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I definitely. So we said, you know, community, mental health. Um, you know, uh, another thing, another one I would say um, would be um, let me think. Some of the things that, that I dealt with. Um, and you know, um, I would say, slow to anger. Um, a lot of you know, a lot of us get angry real fast if you know if things aren't going our way. Uh, so being able to be patient with life and let life come to you, um, I think that's a big thing. I think you know, once we get out uh, and we we we're at a certain level as far as like monetary, uh, we try to get out and try to see if we can match that. But it, it, it's these the civilian employers are not going to match what we can probably get as far as money wise in the military. And that brings depression as well, because if you go from making, you know, 60,000 in the military to only making 35, 40,000 in the civilian world, you're like, wow, I just took a, you know, 25, $20,000 hit in my income. Now what my family is going to be able to survive on, you know, we got to cut back costs, you know, we got to take stuff back. We can't get this, you know, what about my college or my uh, child, college fund, you know, things like that. So a lot of that yeah. plays a part in the veteran. Yeah. So if I put it into some language that I've used in other episodes, it would be uh, focusing on the process uh, and growing right. instead of mm -hmm. being the desperate for the results and the outcomes. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm reading a book right now, The Seven Highly Effective Habits. Um, and I'm on habit two, which is with the end in mind. And so that's what yeah. you gotta do. You gotta keep that, you know, like that. You know I'm, I'm, I'm past the proactive stage. So now we gotta keep <laughs> the end in mind. And you always gotta keep that end in mind. You know, your goal is always gonna be in your mind. This is my goal. This is what I want to accomplish. 
but what are those steps that I have to take to accomplish those goals? So you always got to keep the end in mind. You know, you probably don't want to think of it right now, but keep it in your mind. Have that goal present, like a guiding right. star. For sure. Yeah. But deal deal yeah. with the steps in front of you. Deal with what you have yep. to deal with what's here today and then get Absolutely. on the right trajectory to get where you want to be. That's what I tell my athletes day in and day out. It's, it's interesting because athletes have this, for the most part, and I'm sure that you can relate to this, they, they, want, they feel like, okay, here's my skill level. I'm at a, a four right. or a five. But I see these professionals be at tens. I want to be there now. Right. And they, mm-hmm. then they, skip, they try to skip the six, seven, eight, nine. And you can't. It doesn't it's a work process. that way. Exactly. No, it's a you got to think they took this, they took that same process. They didn't skip a step. They went through that same process. And, you know, you got to be able to um, listen to them and, and take the same process because they're not going to steal you wrong. Somebody who's at a 10 is not going to tell you, Hey, I mean, you ain't got to do step six, seven, eight, just come right to a nine. No, 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 no. You got to go through it. You have to, because if not, you short stepping yourself. You are because you're missing some valuable key points in those steps that you're missing that help that guy to get to number 10. So you cannot skip a step. And I think yeah. with, you know, with soldiers, soldiers and veterans, I mean, soldiers and athletes are, the, you know, are the same because once, uh, you know, athletes leave the NFL or NBA, you know, mm-hmm. they're wondering like, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do now? And I think us as veterans, we go through that same thing. What, what are we going to do? I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know, you know, what steps to take. Um, so we definitely, veterans definitely, um, feel where athletes coming from and athletes definitely feel where veterans coming from. And a lot of them, you know, PTSD is just not a military term. People think it's just a military term. No PTSD. Um, it's a, it's a universal term. I mean, if you had a rough childhood, you can develop PTSD, you know, mm-hmm. leaving out the NFL, you can, and you can um, get PTSD. You can, it's a post-traumatic stress disorder. It's, it says nothing about it. it's a military post-traumatic stress disorder. No, it's a post-traumatic stress disorder. So anybody can get that, you know? And so, I, you know, that's a misconception out there about PTSD that if you have it, you're crazy. That's not it. No, don't no, think like that. Not true at all. You know? At all. It's, so. it's a bit unfair as well. Like, uh, yeah, it is. It sometimes is. You go through a lot. You, yeah, sometimes you go through a lot in the life, either military or otherwise. And, and the way you react and the way you respond is incredibly important. And that is usually in your control. And, right. but that doesn't mean that if, if you, if you're struggling or think like, you're not crazy. Like, no, you're not. Some, you're not. Sometimes you need some help and that's all right. right. Like I, I think yep. that that's one thing I Absolutely. always try to make sure people understand like mental health is wildly important. It is, yep. you know, it's, it's, it's a good foundation to live a good life. Absolutely. If your mind's and not right. Those- it's tough. It's tough, you know, and for those people who, you know, who experience PTSD, they either seen a lot or they've been through a lot, either or, you know. Well, I think, Martel, I I want to ask just two more questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we got time for two more. But you mentioned um, a lot about the military, a lot about kind of your life growing up. But you also mentioned that you have been a teacher. I think you taught for just a year or is it just a year? You know, and mm -hmm. actually, you know, it was a, it was a, I would say a semester, um, because, uh, my, so my GI bill was running out and I was either going to have to pay for school my last semester out of pockets or let, um, Austin 
Prairie State University, uh, pay my last semester if I became a graduate teaching assistant okay. at the school. So, you know, man, I had to, I had to leave my students mid-year. I did not want to do it. Um, but, you know, and I took a big pay cut. I went from making 42 to 300 every two weeks. So I took a, a, a big pay cut, but yeah. you know, they understood, they understood, you know, Mr. Williams got to go finish school. That's, and that's what they say. They say, oh, you know, Mr. Williams have fun finishing school. That's what they said. And I didn't want to leave. That's good. Um, but they understood. They, they definitely understood. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, how did you help your students thrive? Um, I, you know, I think, um, you know, third grade, those students are, they're growing, you know. Um, so uh, being able to be there for them, um, you know, whether it's personal problems, uh, problems that is going on, you know, they may have with another classmate or even educational problems. They know that they can come up to Mr. Williams' desk and they can talk about it, you know, it, confidential. If you don't want me to say anything, then it won't be. And, uh, and a lot of them are fine with that. Um, I, I try to be that open door kind of teacher, some that, that cool teacher that you can come and talk to um, about. Um, but, you know, having those kids thrive, I think a lot of them are looking for a positive male role model. A lot of them do not have uh, fathers uh, in the household. And I kind of took on that role um, as a teacher to be that person that they, that they can come and talk to about anything. And um, just seeing those kids um, thrive in the classroom uh, as far as their grades improving, uh, they have a better relationship with their friends in the classroom, they have a better relationship with friends in the school in general. Um, I think, you know, that brings a lot of joy to my heart because I'm like, you know, wow, you know, just seeing these kids grow at this short of a time is like, wow, I've never experienced something like this uh, in my life. Um, but, you know, w when they're able to come to you um, and you're able to, you know, tell them the truth, you know, not sugarcoated, but tell it to them, you know, like it is, I think they take more out of that than anything. And, you know, once you're able to get comfortable with the student, they're able to thrive. They're able to go to the classroom and be like, you know what, today's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day. You know, we have Mr. Williams here. He's going to make sure, you know, that we get our stuff uh, in order. And, um, I, I mean, I, I love it. I, I, I love teaching. Um, I, and, and I'm not done. I'm definitely not done teaching. I, I definitely know the roads. Uh, the path that I want to get to go back teaching. I think me getting to the government was the first step and I plan on going and teaching on post, you know, once I have a few years back into the government. Um, but back to the thriving for the, for the students. I mean, you know, I, I take, I take no credit for that. Those, those students did that on their own um, because they didn't have to take heed to what I was saying. They could have been, they could have brushed me off, but I think, you know, with uh, my presence and, and the way I came to them, it was like, you know what, you know, he's, he's, he's there for us. He's telling us the truth. And I don't think he still is wrong. I like that. I like that a lot. I think uh, a lot of trust is boiled down to just being honest. Yes. Cause it, yep, I, I honest. do not trust a single person that just is super fluffy with me. Like, right. you can't right. say yep. like, uh, it's just, it's tough to trust someone if they're not honest. And I think that's a huge, huge aspect of, yep. of trust. Yep. And, um, and once they're able to trust you, um, then, you know, you be you begin to you you begin to build that rapport with them, and 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 other teachers will see like, 
I wonder what method you know, Mr. Williams is using over there with his students because I need to to see about that, you know. But, you know, it's just about being real for them. And just, that's all it is. And that's all young kids want. They want you to tell them the truth, you know. They don't want, to, they don't want stuff to be built on lies. People can sniff out the methods. They can. You can sniff out real too. It's always, <laughs> better, always better to be real than to have yeah. some kind of method or technique that you're trying to implement. 100%. Yep. Yes, sir. Martel, as a closing statement, um, mm-hmm. what is your message to either veterans or students or, you know, actually, I, you can pick your own audience, but what's your message to help mm-hmm. them thrive, to deliberately develop, deliberately design a life where they can thrive in any situation? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I will say uh, live in the present. Definitely live in the present. Um, you know, it's just being being an individual. You know, it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot to work on yourself. Um, so, you know, uh, what I would tell them is, you know, go for your dream. Never let nobody tell you hey, you can't do this, or you too short to do this, or you can't. Who cares? Who, who cares what somebody else's opinion is about you? Long as you don't think that opinion about yourself, and long as you don't take that opinion with you when you leave. Um, so, you know, go live your dream go do what you want to do. Um, and that's why I'm here right now. Cause, um, I didn't care what nobody else thought of me. I didn't, I went and did the things that I wanted to do. And I went and did the things that God instructed me to do. And I think that's why I'm here where I'm at today. And I think anybody can, you know, take this message and, and learn from it. You know, my past, my past was rough. My childhood was rough. But to see how I've grown so far, uh, it, it amazes me. And I'm, and I'm not the first person who probably took this path in life. Um, and I'm not going to be the last. So I would tell any veteran out there, any, any athlete, any you know, student, you know, live your dream. Do what you want to do. You know, if you want to be a dentist or a doctor, be that. You know, say that, say that every day. You know, um, leave a post-it note somewhere you know where 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 you commonly walk bathroom on a window matter of fact on a mirror put a put a note that i'm gonna be a doctor one day and look at it every day and that's gonna come true it is it's gonna come true i promise i like that awesome well thrivecast this is martel williams we have loved having on the show i love having you guys around listening to the show um we will have another guest and i'll see you next time all right thank you man peace out